grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. From the Gospel for this Sunday, St. John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. St. John concludes his account of the wedding in Cana of Galilee by saying, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And so we know that the very first miracle of our Savior was the miracle of changing water into wine for a wedding feast. There is a sense in which you can say that Holy Scripture both begins and ends with a wedding. In the earliest pages of the very first book of the Bible, we read of how in the beginning God created our first parents and joined them together in marriage. And toward the very end of the last book of the Bible, that strange and wonderful book of the Revelation to St. John, we find the marriage supper of the Lamb. St. John writes, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Blessed are those who are called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes, the story of our salvation begins and ends with a wedding. And all through the pages of Holy Scripture, God's relationship with his people is portrayed with the imagery of bridegroom and bride culminating in the coming of the Son of God himself into this world as the heavenly bridegroom come to be his holy bride. St. Paul says of marriage, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the Church. In our synod's present order for the solemnization of holy matrimony, the pastor is directed to say that in marriage we see a picture of the communion between Christ and his bride in the church. And this is why the present contempt 
for marriage as ordained by God in creation isn't only a demonic attack on this good gift of God in which human beings share in God's good creative work and are brought together for mutual care and self-giving. The present contempt for marriage as ordained by God is also a demonic attack on God's gracious revelation of himself culminating in his son, the heavenly bridegroom, come to claim his bride. Anything that obscures or distorts or contradicts that revelation is in fact a rejection of a loving God's revelation of himself for our salvation. Since human beings, like you and me, are fallen in sin, marriage in this fallen world can never be a perfect expression of the union of love between Christ and his church. There has always been fornication, the misuse of our procreative powers outside the lasting bond of marriage. There has always been adultery, the breaking of that holy bond. And there has always been the casual abandonment of wives by husbands and of husbands by wives. All of this is as old as the world. But what's new in our day is that in today's world, people have chosen to give the name of marriage to relationships between people of the same sex. And this counterfeit of marriage has even been established by law in parts of the world, including our own country. But no humanly devised legislation can change what God has in fact ordained in creation as the incarnate son of God himself taught when he said from the beginning of creation God made them male and female therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two, but one flesh. As fallen human beings, 
We are all, without exception, broken. Broken in many ways. Because we are all broken, we are in no position to speak contemptuously or even hatefully of people afflicted with all the different kinds of brokenness in this very broken world. But we can't possibly think that arrangements which declare brokenness to be holiness and sin to be virtue are in agreement with our Creator's truly loving will for us his human creatures. There is also this. In his explanation of the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery, Dr. Luther says that we should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do and husband and wife love and respect each other. And we should add, not only in what we say or do, but also in what we think, because the Lord Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so we are all without exception called to repentance, which includes compassion for fellow sinners. And there is no sin which cannot be forgiven through the cleansing blood of Christ for those who repent of sin and turn to the Savior in faith. The miracle of water made wine at the wedding feast in Cana is not only a revelation of divine power, it is also a revelation of divine mercy because Jesus who attends this wedding feast is in fact himself the heavenly bridegroom come to earth to claim us poor sinners to be his spotless bride cleansing us through the washing of water with the word those six stone jars of water for the Jewish rites of purification put us in mind of baptism and the wine Jesus provides for the wedding feast puts us in mind of the holy sacrament in which we receive not only wine but with the wine the very blood he shed to cleanse us and save us and bring us joy. And so in this holy sacrament, 
we have the wedding of heaven and earth, of God and man. A foretaste of that heavenly banquet, the joyful marriage supper of the Lamb, with all his saints in light. Jesus, thy feast we celebrate. We show thy death, we sing thy name. Till thou return and we shall eat the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.